What up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Corner 3 Podcast. I am your co-host, Marshall Clayton, and with me today is our, the other co-host, Canyon Cole. Uh, Happy New Year to everyone. What up, Canyon? How's it going? What's up, guys? How are you, Marsh? I'm good. I'm good. Starting off 2023 the right way. Oh, yeah. New year. So just for just a little update for you guys. New year, new podcast format. Uh, we're going to kind of start veering away from college basketball oriented and start getting more into NBA draft and NBA draft prospects and kind of giving you a rundown on them. Uh, I love college basketball, but it's kind of hard to, with 365 Division One teams to turn that into a 30-minute segment. And me and Marsh just kind of think that if we talk about NBA and then talk about the NBA draft, it'll be more fluent of a podcast than going from college to NBA. Uh, and as Anybody that really knows me knows the NBA draft is my baby, so I'll have just as much fun doing that. But uh, other than that, the podcast stays the same. Uh, Marshall's going to kick us off here with some NBA-type stuff, and then we'll finish it up on some NBA draft prospect deep dives and whatnot. Yeah, perfect. And I will say we'll we'll, we'll talk a lot about college basketball when tournaments start uh, ramping up too and mm-hmm. the NCAA tournament and conference tournaments. So we'll have plenty to talk about there just – more, uh, like you said, draft prospect and stuff uh, will be flown into the pod as well. Yeah. Um, with that, I thought today, uh, NBA, you know, they were go- we've entered into 2023. Uh, we're about 36 games into the season for most teams, 37 for some. So almost halfway, pretty much halfway to the NBA season. So I thought it'd be good to kind of run down the the standings, uh, the Eastern Confer- or the playoff standings for Eastern and Western Conferences. And just kind of talk about them, what we what we think is going to happen. Uh, maybe maybe we might we think some teams might make some jumps, might see some teams fall. So we can just get right into that. Um, let's start with the Eastern Conference first, because I feel like we'll have a lot more to say with the Eastern Conference, uh, just with how crazy it's the up and downs have been for a lot of these teams. Um, so the first six right now we have Boston uh, with number one, obviously Brooklyn number two, who's like. I, I don't know what their active – I can't remember what their active streak is, but they're 10-0 in their last 10. They're so 15, they're, they're 15 and 1 in their last 16. Uh, yeah, we were like <laughs> – I want to go back and listen to our old podcasts because we hadn't written them off so bad. And now they've uh, – yeah, they've got all the distractions out of the way. And uh, Kevin Rance and, and Kyrie both are playing incredible basketball. Yeah. Um, so then they're number two. And then we have Milwaukee at three, Cleveland at four. Philly at five, and then Indiana at six. Um, that top six, just looking at the rest of the Eastern Conference right now, um, I, I, I think I only see one team falling out of that top six, and that's the Indiana Pacers. Mm-hmm. What what say you about that? Yeah, I, I, who was at five? Who would you say was at five? Uh, Philly, the six yeah. at five. Yeah, that, that top five is probably pretty solidified. Not so much in the fact that they're going to be the one through five seeds in that order, but – those five teams will make the playoff in the Eastern Conference. The you know, obviously, depending on injuries and stuff like that. But yeah, I think a couple podcasts ago we were talking about Halliburton and how the Pacers are playing, and offensively they're insanely fun to watch, but defensively they can't guard a soul. And so I think, yeah. um, and about and you know, in about a month post All Star break, things will start to fall off. They're not going to be able to ride this into the playoffs, I don't think. And I kind of hope they don't because I want to see that Pacers team get one more kind of young dude that can throw in that rotation. And I, yes. I hate to see them stuck in eternal, uh, what's the word, purgatory, like the Knicks are constantly drafting between 8 and 11. Yeah. When you have 
Tyrese and Benedict Matherin. I think I'd like to see them kind of be smarter. I think hopefully Rick Carlisle can see the writing on the wall and post all-star break will kind of start taking his foot off the gas and realize he's developed those two pretty well, but you need, you don't need to be in the playoffs right now because they're going to be a four Oh sweep in the first round if they make it for sure. Uh, yeah. So one through six, only six games separate number the six seed from the one seed. So there's a lot of, there's going to be a lot of movement from there. Um, yeah, I think the one through five, those are probably my top. I think those will stay one through five the rest of the season. I think once we get to April, that's where they'll be. We don't, I don't know if they'll be in the same order as they are now, but those Boston, Brooklyn, Bucks, Cavs, Sixers, those five feel like the top five for me. Um, moving down into the seven to ten range, so seven and eight seed, and then the two playing teams. Uh, we have seven, Miami, eight, New York, nine, Atlanta, ten, Washington. Uh, the Knicks were in that top six just a week ago. They've kind of had a skid post Christmas, um, not playing great defense, but they're they're still in the, they're still in the top eight. So um, I, I I have I'm, I will firmly say I don't think the Knicks will fall out of the top ten. That uh, they'll be a, they'll definitely be in the playoffs. Um, but Washington and Atlanta, those are two teams I could see falling out of the top ten, and um, we could. Really, the only two teams I think can take their spots are the Bulls and the Raptors. Um, I'm not. I'm not saying Orlando or, or the Hornets or Pistons are. They're not going to go on any type of crazy run to, to get back in this thing. But um, Washington Wizards are. There's. They're. They're a hard watch. And and then the Hawks. You know they have a lot of inner. You know distraction going on. Trey Young and if he's even happy there. If the team's happy with Trey. He doesn't seem like to be playing with the best teammate. Um, so, yeah, I, I can see those two falling out and the Bulls and Raptors hopping in. But uh, Miami, I think, is the only team out of those top four, or out of those four teams I could see moving up to the top six. That's really the only one. Yeah, My, Miami's just like that team that somehow they win games all the time. You know, they have Jimmy yeah. Butler, who I feel has like been 37 years old for the past five seasons. <laughs> and he probably technically is considering how much he played for Tom Thibodeau in his younger yeah. years. Um, but that team at any time with Spolstra being their coach can really find themselves on the right track and start getting some wins. Uh, again, like you said, the Wizards, they're a tough watch, and it's really kind of disappointing if you look at their roster. Um, you know, they're talented. with They have Beal, Kuzma, and Kristaps. And that's, I mean, I'm not saying that's a playoff lock, but you figured they'd be in the fight for one of those bottom seeds with just those sure. three alone. Um, I think they really need just a secondary ball handler, though. Monte Morris isn't isn't who they thought he was going to be, and he's not. He hasn't panned out like everybody thought he might. And then you're starting. I mean, Denny Abdia or Corey Kispert at your three, and that that's not going to get you into a playoff spot. So that's another team who probably needs to uh, continue on this tanking motion and try and pick up another top five pick in this upcoming draft. Yeah, uh, and I think the teams looking at on the outside in right now is uh, Chicago Bulls. They're the, one of the t- – I feel like that's the team that has to get into the, the mm. playoff. Like, um, it could, they could they could be staring down a complete teardown of that whole roster if if this continues the way it's going because they, they've traded that their first-round pick. I think uh, – is it the Magic that hold it? I think it's the Magic. Yeah, the Vucevic trade. Yeah, so they don't even – so it's not like – I mean, they're not benefiting from being down at the bottom of the standings. Um so if, I think the Bulls can figure it out. I just don't know if DeRozan and Levine are, are 
playing great basketball next to each other anymore. And yeah. and I just, I just don't know if Yusevich is a win is a guy that can win you games. Like he puts up the stats, I just don't know if he's a winning type center. Into yeah, this. and another guy who you know puts up the stats but isn't necessarily a winning player. And this is going to come from also a side of hatred from me is Trey Young. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know you love him, and I've always said this. I don't like him, but he's very talented. I've always said that. He has basketball talent. I just despise the way he uses it. Um, but yeah. I, think everybody's, I think everybody's kind of starting to see what I what I meant by that right now with, I mean, you know, they made that trade for DeJounte Murray, and it really, I thought it solidified their lineup, and I was like, oh, God, yeah. they're going to be good. And they're not. Um, no. Granted, I think in one of our first podcasts, I talked about Nate McMillan and how I don't really—he's not really a good head coach, and he—he he never really has been. Everywhere he's been, he just keeps getting shots. Um, and I just—I think Trey Young, Trey Young again. I compared somebody on the last podcast to uh, Carmelo Anthony in his prime, just an empty bucket getter. And yeah. that's that's Trey Young, you know. And again, I know Trey Young averages like not anywhere between nine and eleven assists per game as well. But I mean, you're getting forty and eleven, and your team's getting beat by fifteen. So like, how yeah, much is how much are you really helping? It's like the Carmelo thing. He's dropping fifty and getting twelve rebounds, but they're getting beat. It's because neither one of those dudes plays defense. And yeah, Trey Young, Trey Young will never play defense. Carmelo mm-hmm. could have. He had the size and everything, but Trey Young, he just doesn't have the size. So you thought when they put Dejounte Murray next to him, that would kind of solidify that part of the law, of the team, but it hasn't really worked out so far. Yeah, and the Hawks, I mean, as the front office, they kind of, you know, once they got Trey, they kind of ended the rebuild right then and there and and rushed it and traded some picks, brought in some win-now guys, some veterans, like, uh, and then, you know, it just hasn't, it worked out for that, that, that one year when they beat New York, and it looked like the, like this was a building of a, of a, of a new team, but it's just, it's kind of come crumbling down, and, and Trey Young now, like, yeah, and I enjoyed him. He's played at OU, but it's obvious that he's got some uh, like traits that teammates don't really like to be playing around him. And he's probably, it's probably harder to for those guys to be all locked in when he's you know he might take nights off here and there, and and he's also just not a, a good defender. He just with his size, he just doesn't have a shot. But um, yeah, so I, I I think if I had to take my and I had to take my pick of which team's going to fall in the top 10 outside between the Hawks and the Wizards. I definitely would pick the Hawks. I think the Wizards have enough size, and their their, their floor is not as low as the Hawks' floor. You mean the Wizards or the Bulls? Oh, I'm sorry. I meant I was talking about the Hawks and the Wizards, as okay. I said, at 9 and 10, uh, which two teams I think could you know potentially fall. has the higher likelihood of falling out of the top 10. I think that's the Hawks for sure. Yeah, it's weird, too, if you look at the Hawks roster. I mean, you see Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, DeAndre Hunter, John Collins, and Clint Capella, and it's like, well, that's a pretty good team. But then how functionally do those pieces fit next to each other? And the fact yeah. that you know Clint Capella and John Collins are both lob threats, and then uh, you took away Kevin Herter from the Hawks and got DeJounte Murray, which in a vacuum, is you think you win that trade. But as good as yeah. – um, Trey Young is somebody that passes like that, and you have two lob threats on your team. You have to have people that can space the floor with the ball out of their hands. And Trey Young ne- never doesn't have the ball, and so taking Kevin Herter away from that offense kind of kills the dynamic that they needed. You know, those John Collins, Trey Young pick and rolls were always just 
killer to guard because you have Kevin Herter in the corner and DeAndre Hunter in another corner, and those guys could hit him. Um, you take Kevin Herter away from that, DeJounte Murray's not an outside threat. So you either have to take the ball out of Trey Young's hands and put it into Murray's hands in those pick and rolls, which you don't want to do, and or you got to take your chances of DeJounte Murray hitting a corner three. Uh, another thing I don't like that the Hawks did is the extension they gave DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. I didn't, I, I didn't understand that when it happened. I never understand those types of extensions. Guys that are like the Michael Porter Jr. one, guys that have been hurt and haven't really yeah. proved themselves as NBA players, and then you go out and give them 20 mil, you just kind of lock yourself in the, like, what? They're like nothingness. DeAndre Hunter, the, DeAndre Hunter that year they played the Knicks in the playoffs – I felt like never missed a mid-range jump shot, and I hated it. But, like, <laughs> since since then, I can't even think of, like, five DeAndre Hunter just plays that I've seen. He's either been hurt or he just doesn't do anything. Yeah, he's uh, not been the most impactful guy after, you know, them signing. And, you know, then they brought in Bogdanovich, and now he comes off the bench. He's not – and they're paying him quite a bit of money just to be their sixth man. And then they also 18 brought – Yeah, 18 mil. And then – they also had Danilo, which they ended up losing, and they had brought him in to play alongside Trey. And so it's just – I feel like they've rushed – it's kind of made – I think I feel like the Detroit Pistons have kind of done this, and now there's – I mean, they have their picks and are going to get another top lottery pick this year. So it's not as hurtful to them as it was as when it, as maybe the Hawks are. But uh, the Pistons, like they, they brought in the other Bogdanovich and, and kind of brought in some guys to help win now, but now Cage out for the season – and, yeah. and it's just it's kind of a disastrous. It's just sometimes rushing the rebuild after you've landed one or two guys isn't the greatest move. It kind of I feel like it it raises your ceiling maybe immediately, but you know in the long term it's not the greatest of decisions. It, it, you have to weigh your pros and cons there. Um, yeah, uh, and, you know I think another weird thing about the Hawks bringing in Dejounte Murray to bring in some perimeter defense is DeAndre Hunter was like a really really good perimeter defender. So yeah. I, I, just, I just don't really see the point of bringing in DeJounte Murray and getting rid of your best three-point shooter because Kevin Herter was also like an above-average perimeter defender. For and, sure. You know, I wasn't going to stick him on the other team's best player, but if he's out there on an island, he has a you know a six or seven out of ten chance of getting a stop. It's He's not just get out there getting toasted regardless of what you think when you look at him. Uh, yeah. But I, I just yeah. – like you said, I think they tried to rush things, and which, in retrospect, when they traded for Dejounte Murray, I think everybody had the same idea. That, yeah. Oh God, the Hawks are about to Great run. move. Yeah. Yes. This hasn't panned out, and it could be something as simple as coaching, but I don't think it's something. I think Trey Young's going to have a hard time winning in this league as long as he has to be the number one guy, which is a weird thing to say because he can average thirty and ten, but he's going to yeah. have to. It's kind of like. Chris Paul was never close to getting to the finals until he was the second or third guy on a team. A, a tiny point guard who can't just take over games, uh, it's hard for them to win in the NBA, just being the one guy. Yeah, it, it can win you regular season games, but especially playoff time when teams mm-hmm. can lock in and and kind of match up who they want to trade a guard. They can't really hide him. Uh, the Hawks can't, so mm-hmm. that's another yeah, like, thing to watch. If you if you look at that Hawks team, outside of if they play the Knicks, who else on the Hawks is going to get you twenty points a game consistently? When they play the Knicks, Dante Murray will score forty and John Collins will score thirty. But if they play anybody else, those dudes are are hitting twenty like one out of every four times. They're going to live off that uh, MSG win and play yeah. off for quite a while, I guess. Yeah.
Uh, another team I'm a little concerned about is the Raptors. It, it, I'm surprised. Like I really thought they would be a top eight team in the East this year. Just mm-hmm. with, I mean, they have, you have Pascal Siakam, you got OG on an OB. Um, those two guys alone should be able to to stagger them and play them and help carry a team as as much as everyone thinks how good they are and how good they can be. You know, you, you always hear about the potential of those guys and and who they could become. Um, hasn't really panned out. They're 16 and 20, uh, tied in standings at 12th with Chicago. Um, but I, I, I think the Raptors have the better shot of hop, uh, jumping into this top, the, the, into a playoff spot more than the Bulls, I would say for sure. Yeah. Uh, at some point with Pascal Siakam, people have to stop talking about his potential. He's yeah. 20, he's 27, 28 years old now. He's entering those post prime years. And I just don't know, uh, what other level he can really take his game to. And yes. I, th- I think the big thing that's hurt the Raptors is Scotty Barnes' regression. And not mm-hmm. necessarily his regression, but his lack of improvement. Um, after last season, that draft class was looked at as being, you know, one of the best that there's going to be. And now two of the top five players taken in it, Scotty Barnes and Evan Mobley, have, you know, either severely regressed in parts of their game or they've yeah. – um, or they've just not improved at all. Like Scotty Barnes last year showed us he could shoot a little bit. And so everybody was like, oh, if he figures that out, it's game over. But then it looks like he hasn't worked on it at all. He he, he has the same – he has the same, um, like, big shooting splits as he had last year. Like, nothing's improved for him. And it's the same thing with Evan Mobley. You know, neither one of them are, like, bad players. But when they were drafted, they were supposed to be, you know, cornerstones, if not your second option. And – I think Evan Mobley's isn't being shown as much because that team's so good with Donovan yeah. Mitchell. But if Donovan Mitchell wasn't on that team, it'd be a glaring weak spot in Evan Mobley's uh, development. And mm-hmm. it, it's weird that somebody on the Raptors isn't developing because that's like all the Raptors are known for is just constantly developing players that are six foot seven with seven foot eight wings. <laughs> yeah. they, they just develop them. But everybody on that team's really kind of hitting a wall. And, you know, Fred Van Fleet's getting old. Uh, what other what other level does OG and Obi have other than what he is right now? What other level does Scotty Barnes honestly have? And then pa- same thing with Pascal. I think they're kind of hitting a wall, and I don't know if they really have another level they can get to. Yeah, uh, I agree. And you said, yeah, you were talking to Scotty Barnes. He's he's averaging pretty much lower every every stat you can think of. Um, compared to his rookie year. I mean, he's shooting 44% from the field when he shot 49% last year. Um, he was only 30% from three in uh, last year, but this year he's even worse at 29%. So yeah. it just has not gotten, has not developed that shot at all. And, and, and has, has seen some minute decreases in, in games because of his, of some of his play and just how unplayable he is on offense. Um, but yeah, the Raptors not in great shape. Uh, but after we have ran down the Eastern Conference standings, really, the the parity's not. It's kind of the, the parity's kind of dissipating in the Eastern Conference. You can kind of see uh, levels of the of the playoffs kind of panning out, and and I mean, there's still Miami Knicks. You know, who knows if they could go on a run, they could move up. But uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it, we might know who the Knicks are at this point. We might know who the Heat are. Both those are right around 500. Um, but yeah, Boston and Brooklyn, Milwaukee. Cleveland, Philly, any I can see any of those teams getting hot and, and really making a run deep in the tournaments or playoffs. So we'll see. Agreed. Um, so we can move into the Western Conference. The Eastern Conference was obviously uh, 
a little more set. Uh, the Western Conference is not. So uh, from one seed all the way down to the 11 seed, or oh, we'll, we'll throw the 12 seed in there too, Oklahoma City. There's only a nine game. <laughs> there's only a nine game difference in uh, from being 12th and first. And that is uh, not great news for teams like Phoenix and Golden State, who just uh, Warriors playing a little bit better as of late, but Phoenix is in a free fall uh, down the standings now uh, in the seventh seed. Um, so right now, if the season ended today, they'd be stuck in the play-in. But um, to get it started, I'll, I'll name, I'll name the first six. We got number one, Denver Nuggets. Number two, the Memphis Grizzlies. Three, the Pelicans, four, Mavericks, five, Clippers, six, Kings. Um, I, if you would have asked me at the beginning of the season if the Kings were – if you would have told me at the beginning of the season the Kings were going to be in the top six, I probably would have really just laughed in your face because I really thought they could be a playoff team, but top six, that's yeah. that's quite the, quite the jump of what the Kings we've, we've known. And, and it's like a completely different top six, like being number six than the Pacers are in the East. Like it's like a solidified top six. Like yes. that, now when you ask somebody, they're like, well, yeah, the Kings are definitely going to make the playoffs. Shouts out to my man, DeMontis Sabonis, been my favorite player in that draft class <laughs> since day one. Just a stat sheet stuffer. Dude, exactly. dude fills it up all around the stat, stat sheet. Uh, but, yeah, the the West is it's kind of weird. It's kind of a flip from what the past like decade of the playoffs has been. It's like the East has just been a crapshoot of who's going to make it out of there. And then the West has always been, I mean, either Warriors or who like whoever the second seed. It's always – most likely it's the Warriors over the past couple of years. But, uh, yeah, it, it's just – it's crazy that there's usually been a solidified team out of the West. You know, it was the Warriors and the Suns were people thought solidified or, like, maybe the Nuggets one year. And now it's just like, man, like, there's no talent. Any of those teams can catch fire. I mean, the team that looked like they were the best in the West for a while was the Grizzlies, and I'm starting to kind of get tired of them. Um, yeah. With their attitudes of thinking they're untouchable. They, they think they're the best team in the league yeah. by far. It's a different type of frustration than you had with the Warriors. Like when you hated the Warriors, it's because they were so good. Like they were mm -hmm. the best team and nobody was touching them. And the Grizzlies are acting like they are the best team and then they're proceeding to lose to bad teams. And so yeah. uh, I, I think they need, I hope they make it to the playoffs in like a top three seed and then I hope they get 4 0'd. I, I, I think yeah. they need a wake up call. To, they, need, they need a little dose of reality. To, yeah, um, they, kind of, they, need to be, they need to get beat 4-0 by the Kings in the playoffs, and I will love every minute. <laughs> that would be nuts. Uh, so Denver uh, on a tear lately, 8-2 and two in their last 10, find themselves number one in the conference. Um, it's going to be hard for people not to vote Jokic. Like right now, mm -hmm. if you ask anyone, it's going to be hard for no, no one to vote Jokic as the MVP. I mean, and the dude's nuts. Like he puts up. 20, let's say, an average night for 27, 12, and 10. Like, yeah. that's an average night for him. And it's like, it's crazy because it's something I could see him doing for like another eight years in the league. Just the, the way he plays it, there's not a lot of wear and tear on his body, you know, you know, physically, like watching a job Moran or watching DeMontis Spotis, who's Russell Westbrook, or people that have to bang down low. Yeah. So it's, he, he's, it's a lot more. It's not as hard on his body, I would say, but so it's just insane to watch. But um, and and then the third number three is Pelicans, and they're continuing to play well as, as well. Yeah, uh, the 
Nikola Jokic thing is kind of like the same thing with Luka, is there's almost like negative athleticism involved in their game. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. so like the, the chances of them declining are so slim. Like Nikola yeah. Jokic, I mean, you look at somebody like Ayurvedas Sabonis, Devontas' dad, he mm-hmm. came to the NBA when he was like 36 years old and averaged like 13, 10, and 7. And that was at 37 years old. Like I can see Jokic being like 41 years old, dropping like 10, 10, and 10. There's yeah. there's just no athleticism required for Jokic, especially he just sits down there and he just obliterates people with his size. And then I don't know if you've seen that Twitter clip that went around. It's like it was like I think the caption was, "It's amazing to me that this is what unstoppable looks like." And it's just, <laughs> yeah, it's just Jokic being like, <laughs> and he goes, yeah. and he's like, and it just uh-huh. bombs out. And every, it's like it's crazy to me that that's what unguardable is in the NBA. But it's the same thing with, like, Luca. Luca's so slow. Everything he does is, like, so slow. And he just absolutely snaps people off and shoots, like, a 48-foot step-back fadeaway. And I yeah. just yeah, – it's going to be really hard for people to not vote Jokic, even though he's won back-to-back. But, I mean, mm-hmm. if this might be the first time it's actually been, like, the most valuable player. Like, I, it, sure. it used to make me – it used to get on my nerves, you know, like LeBron won it on the Heat when they were the Heatles. And it's like, look, he's yes. – is he valuable? Yeah, but if you take the, if you took him away from those Heat teams, they're a six seed at worst. Yes, and it's like I mean, Jokic last year definitely deserved it because Porter, Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray were both hurt, and he got him to the like the semifinals. Was it? Yeah, second round. Yeah, yeah without uh, without those two, and then you bring those two back, and it's like no one can touch him. He's dropping forty one, fifteen, and fifteen, and it's just normalized. Yeah. Uh, hit, hit, just reading through his game logs and then uh, Luca's game logs are insane. Luca's last five points are 50, 32, 60, 35, and 51. And then tonight he plays against the Houston Rockets, and he's probably going to go drop another 40 on yeah. uh, the Rockets, which he dropped 50 on them last week on Christmas Eve. Um and speaking of Luca, the, the the Mavs have have made a move up the standings. They've taken advantage of how much parity there is in that top ten in the league, and they've moved all the way up to the number four seed, um, and right just a half a game in front of the Clippers. Um, out of the top six, any any of those teams you see falling out of the top six at the moment? Uh, where are the Clippers at? Five. They're at five. Only a half a game out of this. They're they're at five, but only half a game away from being seven. Yeah, I, I can I can definitely see them dropping out. I'm not when yeah. that when the trade when the Paul George Kawhi Leonard thing happened again. It was kind of like the Dejounte Murray trade. Everybody was like, "Oh God!" But I mean, yeah. those two have played like four games together. It feels like <laughs> Kawhi's yeah. always hurt, and it's it's hard. You know, it's annoying that he's always hurt, but it's hard to like take to take it out on him because I mean, yeah, as somebody who's had four knee surgeries, I kind of get it. You don't want to be you know in pain walk into mm-hmm. the rest of your life. So I kind of get where he's coming from. But on the flip side, you're getting paid $40 million a year to play basketball. So you kind of have to roll with the yeah, punches of your career choice. And so yeah. if, if like the, he never comes back, if he never comes back fully, I mean, he's not playing back-to-backs right now. So how's he going to play in the playoffs when he's playing yeah. seven games in a week or in two weeks? I just don't, I don't know how that's going to go. Uh, and then even just with those two outside of Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, how much good does that team really have? John Wall's age has shown terribly. Uh, Reggie Jackson's aged badly. Yeah. Vickers Zubach is probably the third best player. And they're relying on 
Batum still to put in valuable minutes yeah. for them. If you're, if you're playing Nick Batum valuable minutes in the playoffs, you're just screwed. <laughs> he hasn't been hit since he put somebody in the nuts in the Olympics. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, this is a wild sentence, but I have more confidence in the Kings hanging in this top six for the rest of the, of the year than I do the Clippers. And that's also based off – yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, you say it's like far-fetched, but if you're looking at it from a pure basketball standpoint, it's not. If you're looking at the players, yeah, you got Kawhi and Paul George, so you're like, well, you should uh, be in on them. But then you look at, like, the Sacramento Kings and what they're doing, and they're just playing legitimate basketball. Mike Brown's Mm -hmm. got them doing what he wants them to do, and they're just – they're doing basketball things. They're playing through DeMontis Sabonis at the five. It's like Nikolai Jocic uh, light. They're throwing it to him there, letting him drop dimes, or he goes to work letting De'Aaron Fox get downhill, and then Kevin Herter – we thought was going to drop off in his shooting, and he hasn't dropped off even a little bit. The dude's just lighting nets up. The nets are on fire, just like his hair. And yeah, he's maybe having maybe having his best year in the league with the Kings. Oh, shooting uh, percentage wise, he's definitely having his best year. I mean, last time yeah. I checked, I think he was at like forty nine percent. What's he at now? And he's at forty two percent on the year from three, forty nine percent still from the field in general, and that is uh, his three point percentage is four percent. Four percentage points better than any other year that he's had in the league. How many? How many uh, three point attempts is he taking? He's taking seven a game. Forty hitting about seven attempts per game. Yeah, he's that's, shooting about two more threes a game than he has in his career as well. So that's baby uh, Clay Thompson right there, man. Yeah, I mean that's that's insane, and I mean if your third or fourth best player is shooting forty two percent from three as a starter, I mean you'll take that any day of the week. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's the top six. I think we both agree the Clippers are probably going to find themselves in the play-in at some point. I think I honestly could see the Warriors, uh, or I don't even know. The next four are, are tough. It's seven through ten is Phoenix, Warriors, Blazers, Jazz, and then right on the outside, the last three teams, eleven, twelve, thirteen, are the Wolves, the Thunder, and the Lakers. And yeah. I just uh, that, that's that, that's a tough group of teams to figure out who's going to make it out of those. The the Jazz will definitely fall out of the top 10. They're still riding yeah. their, the start of the season high. Uh, they yeah. shouldn't be in the top 10 anymore if they didn't have that incredible start to their year. So they'll mm-hmm. definitely drop out. I can also def- – like, I can definitely see the Phoenix Suns dropping into the 9 and 10 spot, playing, having to be in the play sure. if they keep having this inner turmoil. Um, yeah. You know, we talked about the Pacers on the East. They probably need to – calm down and stop winning games. They're probably going to trade Miles Turner at the trade deadline, I would assume. So they're probably going to start tanking here in a little bit. But the, on the other hand, the Suns can't afford to tank. They're young at some point. Yeah. At every spot besides point guard, they're young. And it, it's kind of sad. You know, Chris Paul is kind of a little D-bag, but it, it's <laughs> sad to see. He had the, They had that one year they should have won. And then now that as he's getting older, you thought that everybody around him was going to take those steps to carry him. And as yeah. he's getting older, it's like all these young players outside of D-Book are regressing. You know, Devin Booker's still doing Devin Booker things, and he's going crazy. But I think Mikhail Bridges uh, isn't necessarily regressing, but he doesn't really – he's kind of like OJ and Anobi in the fact that he doesn't really have another level to get to other than what he's at right now. Um, yeah. And then DeAndre Ayton's regressing, in my opinion. I, he might be putting up the same stats, but, again, they're empty stats. He's putting up right. like 18 and 12 when he was putting up 16 and 10 as a rookie. So you tell me he's only two points and two rebounds better now in his fourth year in the league. Um, 
he, he he's too immature for me, and you can tell he probably doesn't work on his game in the off season as much as he should. Yeah. And so I can I can definitely see the Suns dropping out. I think Monty Williams is you know he's trying his best there, but eventually there's only so much NBA coaches can do when the players stop buying in. Yeah, and and then I mean they're they're four and a half games away from first, but they're only four games away from being out of the playoffs completely right now. Um, yeah. And with Booker going to be out at least another month, uh, you know they're going to take they're going to take the extra time for Booker to get back after he's re-aggravated that groin injury twice now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of like that when LeBron had that groin injury back in I think it was twenty twenty or twenty it was the, it was the season after they won the championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just did almost barely didn't even play the whole season basically off that groin injury. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely can see the Suns falling, and they're also I think Jay Crowder. Not being away from the team and him having his whole debacle with his contract, that's also taking a toll on this team because they need him with Booker out, with Cameron Johnson out. That that yeah. two three spot is it's they have no depth there right now, and Bridges is basically all they got. Uh, you know he's probably he's playing almost forty minutes a game, I'm sure. But I definitely can see the Suns dropping. Um, it's but I I feel better about the Warriors and the Blazers than I did just two weeks ago. Uh, yeah. Dame, Dame's doing Dame, uh, and then it, Clay and, and Jordan Poole have kind of gotten it, kind of leveled out the boat a little bit for the Warriors. Yeah, you always kind of put stock into Steph Curry. He, you know, yeah. whenever he comes back, you know that team's going to be better. And so yeah. um, I never really – I will never count the Warriors out until they're not in the plan anymore. Like, they can they can go from being the 10 seed to winning the championship, and I would not be surprised. And so yeah. I'm not going to ever say I'm out on them. The Blazers, again, I'll put – if you're making me pick between, like, the Sun, like Devin Booker and Damian Lillard of who I think is going to grind and get to where they need to be, it's definitely going to be Dane. Um, yeah. And then you got, you got somebody who has something to prove in Jeremy Grant, uh, up and mm-hmm. and Anthony Simons. And then I've got another guy who really probably has not necessarily something to prove, but, like, needs to show people he uh, deserves to be where he's at is Yusuf Nurkic. And yeah. so – I, they they just have more of like the dog in them, you know. That's like a phrase mm-hmm. that people overuse nowadays. But like, if you show the Suns and the Pel- and the Blazers were rosters next to uh, right next to each other, which team do you think is going to fight harder? I mean, Chris Paul and Damian Lillard, I can give you that. They're both going to fight really hard. Devin mm-hmm. Booker um, and DeAndre Ayton, they're not fighting as hard as anybody on the Blazers rosters. I'll give Macal Bridges the benefit of the doubt, but when you're just looking at um, teams that are going to fight to get into the playoffs, and if things start going badly for both of those teams, who's going to recover from it quicker? It's the Blazers. Um, yeah. They have better leadership and and Dame. They have just uh, it's just a calmer presence looking at the Blazers team than the Suns. Like at any moment, the Suns can just blow up and they can go on like a fifteen game losing streak. Yeah, and, you know I don't I don't see the Blazers doing that ever. I don't think Dame is so level headed. No. He just has that team playing where they need to play. And then Gary Payton hasn't even played for them yet, or he might have just made his um, season he, debut. I think he was active for the first time this week of uh, the season. So I'm interested to see what kind of minutes he gets because I mean that he was a he was a crucial piece of that Warriors team just coming off the bench. He's, so he's the whole reason they won that year. Yeah, so last year. Yeah, yeah, the last whole year, yeah. They won last year is like. They brought him in off the bench, and then he would play starters minutes, and he just locks up people. And so you have Dame, Anthony Simons, Jeremy Grant, 
and Yusuf Nurkic, and then you put a, just a defensive stopper in the middle there because he can mm-hmm. sit and lock people up one-on-one, and then his team defense is also just crazy. Look, like, look up Gary Payton highlights from last year. I used to do it all the time. The dude, just he's a complete difference maker on the defensive end, and there's not a lot of those left. So that's another dude you put into that Blazers lineup and just has the absolute like will to fight for what he wants. He's proving that he needs to be there, you know. Dame has yeah. always had to prove he deserves to be where he's at. Anthony yeah. Simons, same thing. Gary Payton, Jeremy Grant, it's all four. Those four right there have always had to just fight and claw for every minute they got in the NBA. And yeah. So I, I, and I, I go for it. What I like about the Blazers is it. it you know, we all a lot, they got hated on for like not building around Dame correctly, which there's legitimately gripes there. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like they kind of they messed some things up there. But, the different times down the timeline, but now now they're you know they, they can still compete for a championship. I don't know if the roster is good enough to win one, but they can. I think they're good enough to make it a run in the playoffs. But they're also developing at the same time. They've got Shaden Sharp in the developing, and, and Anthony Simons he's not yet to reach his ceiling as well. Yeah. So you know once Dane gets a little bit older and maybe doesn't can't carry that load anymore, I mean they'll have Shaden Sharp and Simons right there to pick up the pieces. I, I like the I like the longevity future part for the Blazers too. Um but we both agree so uh do we think the Suns make it? Do you think are they saying in the top ten? I think these next seven games for the Suns are gonna tell a lot. If these next seven games go really bad for them, which I assume that they will, um yeah. expect in the off season for the Suns to kind of blow it up and Trade DeAndre Ayton away and Chris Paul possibly retiring. Expect that out of this team if they don't if they get out of the top ten. I, that's definitely going to happen. So uh, these yeah, next seven it, games I think are big for them, but I, I see them dropping out or at least getting into the play-in at the lowest. And they're uh, so they just lost to New York. Uh, oh, today that was this morning. They had the matinee game. I forgot to the Knicks. To the Knicks, their next seven at Cleveland, Miami at home. Cleveland at home, at Golden State, at Denver, and then at Minnesota and at Memphis. So, so I mean, that's legitimately seven games they could lose. If they go, if they go like three and four in that stretch without D book, I consider that positive. Yeah, that's if, a win for me. For the if they go three good. and four, I think they make seven, eighth, or ninth seed somewhere around there. If they go like two and six or two and five or one and six or over, then I think. Uh, yeah, they could be really. They may be in the plan, and if not, they're dropping out. Because if yeah. they go over seven here, that drops them so far, and then you're rushing Devin Booker back from it. Like you know, you might just they might just shut him down, and maybe they start their rebuild a little early and trade DeAndre Ayton at the trade deadline. Who knows? Yeah, it's nuts. Um, so we'll say we'll just say Phoenix is in for the top ten, but we we're we're both agreeing that Utah's going to drop out. Are you mm-hmm. going to put in there Minnesota or the Lakers <laughs> or the Thunder? Uh, I I probably won't put the Thunder because I don't think they'll want to make it. Yeah, uh, I think right, I the, think the, the, the Thunder are currently pulling they're cool, per, currently pulling levers by starting uh, Jalen Williams, the rookie out of Arkansas at center. That's, yeah, uh, I, I think they're going to start kind of losing games on purpose here, which they should. Yeah. Um, so I I would probably put them in there if I didn't think they were going to start losing on purpose. Um, and then it's between the Lakers and the Wolves. Hmm. That is disgusting. Neither one of those, I think. Rudy Gobert is a dumpster fire. Um, <laughs> I, I, if I'm a Wolves fan, I'm, I'm like, 
I'm yeah, I'm like fan. I know. I mean, there's no hope for for the the wolves. They they got to trade cat. They they got to yeah. they they just got to com, commit to Gobert because they traded him for everything, and they got to get yeah. cat and just build around Gobert and Amps. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll probably out of those two, probably give my nod to the Lakers just because I mean they have LeBron. Yeah, I know. And so I, that's what I was yeah. going to say too. As bad as that team is, he's still LeBron James. Uh, Anthony Davis comes back. They could be right back where they left off. So I'll probably give my nod to the Lakers out of those two. Yeah. The Lakers need to go to some witch doctor and make it where AD just can't get hurt. Because that's yeah. – that, that's I've never seen doing. anybody sprain an ankle midair. <laughs> I, he just he, – he has the weirdest injuries, the most freak mm. accidents. And I don't think he's like it's just pain tolerance. Like, I don't think he's – Soft, maybe. Yeah, but there's something. Weird. Something's up with him, you know. Like he can never stay healthy. Yeah. Um, that kind of wraps up <clears throat> our talk for the the playoffs. Um, I think we, for majority, for both East and West, we we like who's in there. East, we think two teams. I think we think Chicago and Toronto probably get in and out, uh, yeah. over the Hawks and Wizards. We think they'll figure it out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, the West overall just has a lot more parity and depending on who the seeding, uh, but I think we're more solidified on who the top 10, 11 teams are. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll take another look at that later, you know, through, through probably around all-star break when we're 75, 80% through the season. Um, but with that, we can kind of hop into our next segment and talk about, we're going to do our would you rather, but this time we're doing it with some of our not so favorite players. And yeah, players, players we hate, players we hate. And I'm probably going to – I know I'm giving you some crap players. Or you're going to be wanting to take an Obi Toppin. I doubt it. <laughs> it was almost harder to find people to use this for when it comes to bad players. You gotta it does. Bad, you got to use bad in a vacuum. Like, obviously, I'm not going to pick, like, Dacian Knicks from the Rockets versus Darius Baisley. You know what I'm like, – so Yes. It, it was kind of harder. But I think I got I got three really good ones. So Me too. We'll okay, so – Obviously, like you said, mine is uh, Obi Toppin. If you follow me on any of my Twitters or you've just ever heard me talk about the Knicks, you know I have an aggressive distaste for Obi Toppin. <laughs> um, Marshall, you went with Darius Baisley, which you've been, uh, you haven't been a fan of him as of late. So, I, and, and, and he's getting playing time now that uh, Pokachevsky's hurt. And, and he, so he started the game, the first game after Pokachevsky got hurt, he played terrible. I mean, he got bailed out by some foul calls, but. He couldn't. He can't hit a free throw, and the ball just stops when it hits his hands. It just the offense just stops moving. It's terrible. And then he was a DNP the very next game after that performance. So we'll see. All right, uh, I'll go first here. So we have Darius Baisley or Isaac Okoro. Oh God, Isaac Isaac Okoro. Caps fans, Caps Twitter was so high on Isaac Okoro for so long. Isaac Okoro, uh, until it came out that his measurements were a lie and he wasn't 6'6", he was 6'4". <laughs> yes, sorry. and yeah, he's not having a great year. Um, I think I'm still taking Isaac Okoro. Like, yeah. I'm I'm banging in on his potential still. Like, I, I know what Baisley is. I know what Baisley yeah. is. Isaac Okoro at least has one NBA skill, and it's defense. He can guard. Yeah. I mean, like I said, it came out when he was in the draft. He was 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, and I was like, um, yeah, I'm definitely in on this dude. And then it came out when he got drafted that he was like 6'3", six, 6'4", six, and I was like, 
that's 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 quite a big difference there. But yeah, uh, he can still ones and twos and some threes in today's NBA. He can still lock up. So I I, I yeah. agree. I'll probably take him over Darius Baisley too. Good, I agree there. We agree. Um, my first one is Obi Toppin or Killian Hayes. Killian Hayes. Okay. And Killian Hayes playing a little bit better as of late. He's got Before the bigger roles. Uh, yeah. He's, just, he's currently suspended for committing murder on the court. But yeah. in, in Killian Hayes' draft, I was super high on him, and I really wanted the Knicks to take him, and it kind of made me look really stupid over the past three mm-hmm. years. And then before this thing with Mo Wagner happened, he was absolutely killing it with Cade Cunningham's absence. And when he comes back from the suspension, I mean, Cade's out the whole year. It'd be really interesting to see where Killian Hayes goes. And uh, yeah. I definitely, I will take Killian Hayes over yeah. talking all day. Yeah, if I was a Pistons fan, I'm, I have a little hope for Killian Hayes. I just want to see him. I want to see that out of Hayes when Cade comes back as well. I want to see yeah. him play alongside Cade. For for most people listening, if you wonder why I hate Obi Toppin so much. Um, it's because he's 24 years old as a rookie, or he was 24 years old, 23 years old as a rookie, and he has no NBA skill outside of dunking the basketball. You can tell me he can suit corner threes all you want, but I've seen him airball as many as I've seen him make, and he cannot defend anybody. All he can do is dunk the ball. I absolutely despise the man. Uh, (laughs) Fair enough, fair enough. That being said, I'll go on to my next one here, and this might, now that I'm looking at it, it's probably easier for you, uh, yeah, but Bobby Portis or Darius Baisley? I'll take me some Bobby Portis. Yeah. I'll take he's he's a little bit of a weirdo, but he can be on my basketball team. Former Nick legend Bobby Portis. Yeah, I yeah. agree. He probably does everything on a basketball court better than Darius Baisley, so that was kind of easy. Yeah, that's all right. Uh, but Bobby Portis, I mean, Darius Darius Baisley. I mean, people probably still think his ceiling's higher than my, what I think it is, just because he's so young and can still develop. But <laughs> <laughs> he's not good. Uh, my second one is Justice Winslow or Obi Toppin. Oh. <laughs> oh, that's gross. And Justice, I, I will say he's found himself a role in Portland. It, it's he's not as terrible as he once was, but he still can't shoot. He still can't shoot. I don't know. I'm probably still taking Justice Winslow. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck. You can put Justice Winslow out there on the court, and he can guard somebody. Obi Toppin, yeah. Count. Buddy. I'm taking Justice Winslow. I don't care. I'm taking Obi Toppin because I'm not a Knicks fan who has to watch him all the time, so I'll I'll take him on that one. He's I'm not taking Winslow. But I got I got Justice Winslow. Uh, all right, last one. I think I'll say best for last here. Kelly Olenek or Darius Baisley. Oh. <laughs> I str- Everybody likes oh. Nobody likes him. I'm taking Darius Baisley. I'm not but <laughs> Kelly. I Kelly Lynx, he's a good basketball player. I just don't want him on my team. Like I would, yeah. I'd literally probably break a TV if he was on the Thunder. Yeah, I just to watch him every night. Everybody in the NBA despises that man. So it's probably just the way he looks on the court. It's probably yeah. just that. It's more a, of a, a viewing reason. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Would you take Kelly Olynyk or Darius Baisley? As far as a basketball player, probably Kelly Olynyk because at least yeah. he can sit out there and shoot threes. Darius Baisley yeah. can't do anything. Can't do so, that. Yeah. Probably Kelly Olynyk. Darius Baisley, I'll get. I talk trash him all the time, but I'll give. He's he's great on defense. Like he knows how to rotate. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like he could be a really good, like positive player for some a team in minutes and in, in small minutes there. But yeah, offensively he's just atrocious. Yeah. Okay, my last one is I have I have I brought down two, but I, I'm just gonna be one. Josh Green 
work of behind screen on the maps. He's 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 got Mavs fans excited at least. He's yeah, I'm probably gonna go down screen, man. Uh, yeah, he's he's too. a lot. He's younger than Obi, and again, if it comes down to it, you got to pick the person that can play defense. And yep, that's Josh Green's one skill right now. He's like a great value, Isaac Okoro. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, I mean, I'll probably take him. And just as far as like for the Knicks, especially. I'd probably take I, – I just don't – Obi Toppin just frustrates me to no end. So, definitely Josh Green now that I think about it more. Yeah, I would take Josh Green too. Uh, that's the grossest set, uh, would you rather. Yeah, that was uh, for this. That made my bones hurt. So, yeah, I can't believe I had to choose from Kelly Olenek and honestly. So, with that, that's wrapping up our NBA stuff for the week, correct? Yes. We'll uh, we'll hop into some recaps next week as this yep. gets full on and going again. So, like we prefaced at the beginning of the episode, kind of starting to get away from college basketball heavy and get more into NBA draft prospects and whatnot. Um, you know, like Marshall said, if big things happen in college basketball or as the tournaments get closer, we'll kind of dive back more into college basketball. But as far as podcast flow and fluency, I think – having the NBA draft in here is uh, probably a better idea. And I just, I love talking about the NBA draft. I can talk about it all day. So we just we felt like this was a good way to go. We're kind of excited to get this kicked off. Um, so really what it'll be is I'll just start giving kind of, depending on the prospect, a deep dive in what I think they can do, what I think their skills are, how I think they'll translate uh, and kind of give you my player comp for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'll, I'll probably end up doing this by tiers. So I'll start today. Probably going to be short and sweet. We're going to go with my, obviously my top tier of the NBA draft. And it's the same as everybody else's. Um, Victor Wiminyama and Scoot Henderson. You know, neither one of them play in the United States. I guess technically Scoot plays in the United States, but neither one of them play in college. Uh, Scoot's G League Ignite. Uh, Wiminyama plays for the Metropolitans. I don't even know where that's at. Over in France, they're playing in playing in yeah. uh, the France Euro, uh, league over there. Um, so again, at this point, if you follow the NBA or the NBA draft at all, you know a lot about these guys. Uh, so this will be kind of short and sweet, I guess, until we get into deeper into our prospects. But we'll start with Wimbenyama. Um, I think he's the consensus number one pick, um, and for a very good reason. He, he's kind of <laughs> reaching that. He's kind of reaching that level of you literally have to take him. Like, it doesn't matter. You have to have this guy on your team. Yes. Um, you know, with that, I think the NBA, like, how much how much the NBA is promoting him. And, and you know, they're, all, they're always, if you look at their Twitter, they're always mm-hmm. tweeting out stats or tweeting out live streams to their games. Like, the, the NBA is full in on Victor. No one thinks this dude is going to be some type of bust. Everyone thinks this guy is the real deal, for sure. Yeah. It's insane. Um, you know, really, the only hole in his game is probably his body, his frame, and the potential for injury being like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we've talked about it. We talked a lot about with Chet Holmgren last year in his draft. We talked about it in the year before with Evan Mobley in his draft class. When has when has a player not panned out because they were too skinny? Like, when has that happened? Yeah. I mean, Giannis, look at him now. Kevin Durant, look at him now. Evan Mobley, solid. Chet, to be determined, but I assume solid. Um, 
And some interesting things I found is, you know, when Evan Mobley was drafted, everybody was real worried about his size and his frame. He was seven foot and he was two. Where's it at? I had it on here. He was a uh, seven foot, two fifteen as a rookie. Um, another guy, Anthony Davis, six foot ten, two nineteen as a as a rookie. Two guys who people were worried about their frames coming in. Women Yama right now is listed as seven two, two thirty, so he's taller and also heavier than those two. Um, he just he doesn't look as frail to me as Chet did or as Mobley did. I don't, you know, I understand he's longer, and I know two thirty is not a whole lot of weight to put on that frame. But he just doesn't look as frail to me. He doesn't look like when people bump into him, he doesn't get shoved backwards as much. He just looks stronger. Yes. Uh, that being said, he also has an eight-foot wing, wingspan. So yeah. not only is he seven-foot four, he has an eight-foot wingspan. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the dude's a, it's a freak. It's insane. It, it it's, looks like when you see YouTube videos of people creating my career players, and they have like kids are <laughs> this big, and then their arms are like eight foot long. Way long. Except his entire body is that big. Um, so just from a physical standpoint, looking at him and the way he plays basketball, he's a seven foot two guard, and it's it's scary to watch because again, I don't see any holes in his game. Like, can you can you nitpick? Yeah, but <laughs> he does everything on the basketball court as well as anybody else in the draft at his size. And so, yeah. well, you know, we'll talk offensively here. He's averaging 22 uh, points, nine rebounds, two assists on 54% from the field and 30 from three. Um, I think he only shoots two attempts per game from three or three attempts from three. He, he doesn't even need to. Exactly. <laughs> he gets to the rim. And, the, and the, the shot looks good. His mechanics are good. It's not one of those yeah. funky shots that he shoots from deep and it goes in. Like, his mechanics are good. And I'm sure you as well as everybody else has seen the one-legged floaters that he pulls up from out yeah. there. He does it multiple times. He hasn't just done it once. And yeah. to hit that consistently, your mechanics have to be solid. And one of the biggest knacks on players with long wingspans is it's hard for them to shoot because, like, you know, you're supposed to shoot from right here. But if mm -hmm. you have long arms, it pushes it out. You cock your elbows more. Um, whoever taught this kid to shoot when he was younger and build with him as he got older did a fantastic job his his mechanics his footwork his shot base is solid his hands are solid his follow-through is solid i really believe in the mechanics and i think once he gets in the nba and starts working with those guys he'll uh he'll get, i don't think he'll ever be like in that 40 probably like the low 40s i don't think he'll ever get that high but 37 percent, 38 percent is very doable for this kid and if you told me in seven years he was shooting 43% from three, I also wouldn't bat an eye at it because who who can bother him? Who can bother that jump shot? Yeah. You know, and it's, so I, I can see – go for it. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, like he, he's getting that shot over everyone. And uh, sorry, mm -hmm. it's probably delayed again, but sorry, I didn't know it interrupted you. Uh, no, it – it, it's just insane, and I've never felt I've never felt like a prospect coming into the, this twenty twenty three draft like I have on Victor. Like he's going to be, you know, I mean, potential all star starting his rookie rookie year is how exactly I feel about that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's crazy too, and you know, you talk about offense, all this. He can finish. He can dunk. He'll dunk from the free throw line off of one, like off of a drop step. He does all this stuff, and then. Probably the best part of his game is his defense. Um, and not just like rim protection, not just big man defense. He laterally, his lateral footwork is very impressive. He he cuts people off, you know, out of this entire draft, if I could pick one person to guard somebody on an island, it would probably be Victor. 
And that means, yeah. like, from LeBron James guarding him to Kyrie Irving. Like, Victor, he can stay in front of people. And then if you do happen to get by him, he's got an eight-foot wingspan yeah. to chase you down. Like, you, like, the only person in the NBA I think could score on him consistently going to the basket is Kyrie. And that's because yeah. his finishing is just insane. But, like, everybody else, he's blocking you at least four out of ten times you go to the basket. And the craziest thing that I saw pointed out to me on a video with Victor is he can guard, in a pick and roll, can guard both the ball handler and the roll man from the same position. I I don't remember I don't remember the video I saw, but it was back-to-back plays in the game where he was in the same position on the court. His guy said a pick and roll, comes off of it, guy jumps up and shoots the ball, and Victor blocks it from, like, the block. He blocks an elbow jump shot. And then oh, you come yes, back, I, yeah, yeah, and and then you come back down and they throw it to the roll man. Victor turns and blocks the dunk. He's in the same spot of the court, so he can guard, he can guard two people at once, just standing there with his arms out. And so, um, that's that's impressive. That's insane. I think the one hole you can find in his game is his off ball defense, and not necessarily mm-hmm. his off ball rim protection, but his ability to get through screens and navigate screens, which yeah. You know, it's probably not his fault. There is so much of his body to get through the screen <laughs> that, like, yeah. when he gets, when people set pin downs on him or they set just, you know, ball screens on him, it's pretty hard for him to get over the top or kind of get skinny and get through him because he's seven foot two with, like, eight-foot-long arms. It's hard to get skinny and get through that and recover. So right. that's probably his one weakness in his game. Um, but I think even that, as you get in NBA coaching, can be – pretty uh, easily dealt with so yeah they can they can scheme uh, him away from those type of screens and yeah and also have him you know switch on because i mean even if he switches and becomes a help defender he can easily yeah. you know just and, drop down and, and and help on the drive yeah and the other positive of it is like you have to set a pin down very low down because if you just set it on the elbow he can block the three-pointer from there <laughs> <laughs> like honestly you can and so it, you know there's just People have said it before, but I just don't think there's any way this dude ends up not one of the best players of all time. It's yeah. it's insane. You know, I'm, I told you I'm going to get player comparisons, and it's hard. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who do you I, compare him to? I compare him to Kevin Durant, and that's the only person yeah. I can A lot of people say he's Rudy Gobert with a jump shot, and he's not even – like, he's so far beyond Rudy Gobert. It's not even funny. And he makes like, – I mean, he has, he has guard-like ball handle skills. Like, yeah. Rudy Gobert can't even dribble. You know exactly. He's the only person you can really compare him to is Kevin Durant. And I agree. If you're getting Kevin Durant vibes, and that's really still not a good comparison for you, you're going to be one of the best players of all time. Um, to whichever NBA team and fan base gets the number one pick, congratulations. Um, <laughs> yeah. This man, this man is going to be insane. The next to watch. fifteen of your years of fandom yeah. watching your favorite team are, are changed forever. You're going to go from the number one pick in the draft to the, at least the number eight seed next year. Oh, yeah. Easy. Um, it could be the freaking Hornets, and I think that that, that Exactly. This dude, anywhere he goes, he's going to make that team ten games better, if not more. Yeah. Um, so we'll end Victor Wimbanyama on that. Again, his player comp for the best of my abilities is Kevin Durant. Um, yeah. And then we'll get, in, we'll get into our boy Scoot Henderson. Um, you've heard it probably numerous times. In any other draft in like the last decade, or not probably not the last decade, but like the last five or six drafts outside of Zion, he would be the number one pick. Um, yeah, the, the kid is a freak as well. Like you know, you get done talking about how good Victor is, 
Scoot Henderson, and there's some people that have Scoot ranked higher than Victor because Scoot's almost more of a sure thing technically. His game translates a lot better than Victor yeah. being as skinny as Victor is. So there's people out there that have him ranked above. I don't. I don't know how people can get their minds to get there. But the fact that there is people who generally think Scoot is right there with Victor is crazy. Um, he's six foot two, 195. Uh, that's probably his big knock is that he's only six foot two, which is pretty small in today's NBA standards as a point guard, but yeah, has premier athleticism. Um, one of the best passers I've ever seen, like at his age, because he's very young. He almost came to the draft last year as like a 17 year old, decided to go back to the G League. I'm glad he did. Um, yeah, but you know, he he kind of got injured early this in the G League Ignite season. He got, a, I think he broke either his nose or something around his eye. And then, yeah, and then he missed it, the showcase, the G League showcase. I was hoping to watch him in. Yeah, uh, it pro- it's been it's shut him down for a while. So like his stats and his shooting splits are off of three games. He's averaging seventeen five and six and shooting twenty percent from three. But again, he played three games. So I mean, he could have shot five threes in three games and went like one for five yeah. and shooting twenty yeah. percent. And so it's hard to put a lot of value in that. I don't think anybody's worried about his shooting splits really. Uh, I have heard a lot of things saying that he's probably – it wouldn't be surprising to anybody if he shut it down uh, for the year. I mean, he's guaranteed to be the number two pick. I don't know. You know I'm, not yeah, usually, no, I'm not usually yeah. a fan of people shutting it down. Yeah. But what There's reason? nothing left for him to show. Like, we know those are the top two picks, and we know he's not getting drafted before Victor. I mean, yeah. that would be the biggest shock of the draft night if that happened, I think, at this point. but. I mean, as as a kid who didn't start in the G League Ignite last year and last year's draft, if he would have gone, he was projected to be a top five pick. And that's yeah, backing so. up Jaden Hardy. And so it's like as a backup the dude was gonna be a top five pick. So yeah, I agree. I don't I don't I wouldn't blame him if he shut it down. There's really nothing left for him to prove. Um again, his jump shots are work in progress. It's not the prettiest mechanics, but it's nothing like it's not ugly. It doesn't look like the Thompson twins. Uh it's it's a solid looking base, and once you get in with NBA coaches, I think it'll they'll fix it up real quick. Uh, he's another guy. Who's, what's up? Oh, I should say he, he just his burst, his yeah. first step, his his ability to set create separation. I think that's what you were saying. Like a lot of t- people thought he'd be number one if Victor wasn't, you know, mm-hmm. in the draft. And I think that's also because he we we've seen a type a type of Scoot Henderson at the NBA level before, and he, he's already doing this type of thing in the G League, so it's like, you know, we just that ceiling for Scoot is so high to a lot of people, I think, too. Yeah, yeah, he and he's like such a he's an incredible athlete, but it's a weird type of athleticism. If you watch his film, he has such a quick burst, and he's so fast with the ball in his hands, but he can also decelerate and stop at the most awkward angles, and yeah. like. It's almost like you're like, oh, God, did he just get hurt? And no, his body just reacts so well that he can go from full speed, like downhill to a complete stop into a cross and like a push cross. And then he's at the best. And that's why, you know, I try to come up with a player comparison for him. And the first one I want to go with is Russell Westbrook. But but he's – this is not a knock on Russell, but he's so much smarter than Russell. Yes. Like Russell Westbrook, I said this to you when Russell Westbrook was going on his tear, averaging a triple double. All of his assists 
nothing against him come off of him going crazy. Like off of him mm-hmm. going full speed downhill, people have to slide over, boom, he hits him. He never yeah. he never really manipulated the defense. You know what I mean? All yeah. of his assists were off of pure attacking. Um, and I think Russ, Russ is a little reckless and Scoot's yeah. more methodical with, with mm-hmm. his ability too. He, exactly. Which he, he just, it, it just, it's the game's slower for him in his head, it feels like. He's he's just so far advanced mentally and physically than people his age. Um, he manipulates the hell out of defenses, man. It's it's really it's incredible to watch. I I almost yeah. like watching him more than I like watching Victor, just because I like the way he plays the game. Yeah. Um, so when it comes to player comparisons, I don't really have one specific form. I kind of compared him to Russell Westbrook with uh, yeah. Andre Miller's type of IQ. Okay. That's a, you know, that's a good Miller. one. Andre Miller digging deep in the bag. The yeah, old Andre Zimmer nugget. Miller, Andre Miller, for a lot of casuals, uh, you probably don't remember him because he never did anything to stand out, but probably one of the smartest basketball players to ever yes. play. He played 18 seasons, and I think he started in all of them by like two, mm-hmm. and probably never averaged over 11 points a game, but almost always averaged over eight assists. Um, and he was real herky-jerky with his motions. You know, he was not the most athletic, not the fastest, but he would just – the way he manipulated defense with the, body, the way his body moved is what makes me compare uh, Scoot to him. And so it's like – yeah, like I said, it's Russell Westbrook's, like, athleticism and Scoot's mid-range jump shot is deadly. He has a killer pull-up from the mid-range like Russ. And so when you're watching him, like when he scores the ball, it's Russell Westbrook type of scoring the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, but when he passes, it's like slow down Andre Miller type vibes. He's not Play out making. of control. Exactly. And so it was hard for me to pick one. And so I took, you know, his scoring type of basketball, which Russell Westbrook incarnate, you know, neither one of them when they were younger could shoot really well from deep. It was, yeah. you know, they could probably hit one if you leave them open, but you probably prefer them to shoot one than anybody else. Yeah, And so he's like that. His mid-range is killer. He gets to the elbow and just automatically pulls up and p- breaks people's ankles by doing it that fast. But then when he comes off pick and rolls, man, he just comes off of it and uses that little prison dribble and keeps the guy on his back. And, I mean, it just – it's so – I loved Andre Miller when he played basketball. So it just – it really sticks out. He just slows it down. And that's where his athleticism comes into play because he can go really slow and get the prison dribble, get the guy on his back, and then he can either drop that dime, or if the big man drops over, he just mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook right at the basket, just yeah. like that. And, and go for it. Him developing those floaters too, mm-hmm. Scoot, with the defender on his back, that could be like, kind of like a John Morant. It could become lethal as well. And yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be so fun to watch. Yeah, it really will. And that's like I wanted to compare him to John Wall or John Morant type of, but like they don't have any slowness to their game. Yeah, like, Scoot Henderson dictates what pace you play at. Like defense, he dictates what pace the defense plays at, and he can play fast or he can play slow, and you can't guard it. And yeah. So, you know, like I said, the Russell Westbrook Andre Miller mixture. Uh, a lot of people, if you're listening and you don't know who Andre Miller is, go watch his YouTube highlights and you'll see what I'm talking about. But again, these two have potential to be two of the best picks in the last decade of the NBA draft. Um, yeah, they feel like the most. The most for sure picks that that I that I can remember out of the last you know since I've been following the NBA really closely like I know yeah. everyone compares it to the LeBron year but I wasn't I was only eight years old when that happened so I can't say I remember that but mm-hmm. it's, that's what you know, it feels like. You have people like Cade who was a sure thing his years Ion even with the injuries is like a sure thing that if he's healthy he dominates. 
Uh, Luca was almost a sure thing. You you have people in each draft that are for sure thing. Um, Paulo and last year's draft, but yeah. to have number one and number two picks be like almost automatic locks by at least by their second year probably being an all star. Yeah, uh, like I Stu is better than Cade was, and probably almost better than Cade is currently. I love Scoo Henderson. Victor Wembanyama is like, like if you could ask like a six six year old to make a basketball player, they would draw Victor Wembanyama. Oh, and, for sure. And so I'm just I'm excited for this draft. Even just out, even outside of these dudes, I'm excited for the future, the other prospects we'll talk about, but. Yeah, just talking about these two, it's it's an incredible vibe to be around in the NBA draft. Yeah, and uh, before we, I want to so before we get out of here, I want to do a little tankathon uh, sim and see which two top teams would get those if that was the draft lottery. Okay. But before we do that, uh, what Andre, what what jersey do you picture Andre Miller? And when you think of Andre Miller, do you picture him? Okay, I picture him in the the, the Denver Nuggets yeah, jersey with Melo. That's like yeah. the line. Maybe because we're playing video games with him and Melo. Played on all those. I think he played for almost every team in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, he had a long. I remember him just being like, "God, when's he gonna retire?" I remember thinking about that. Um, he's got. All right, he's I'm gonna step. Go ahead. I said he's got the infamous fake timeout play. Have you ever seen that one? Yes. Yeah. Like, that one where he dribbles up and then he just gets a layup out of it. Yeah. I love that. All right, I'm simming the lottery. First the, one, the Thunder Knicks. Rockets. <laughs> so we got, we got Victor and Thunder, and then uh, Scoot playing alongside Jalen Green and Sangoon and Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah, if that's how it pans out, um, the Thunder definitely gonna have to make some moves and yeah. to get another to get a shooter. Um, yeah, just just a shooter, a guy that can just knock down from outside, and then the Rockets are—they're definitely going to ship off KPJ if that happens. KPJ has a very tradable contract. Um, you can't keep Kevin Porter Jr. on your roster if you have Scoot Henderson. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't think you can either. Uh, uh, I hope to God, God that means if that organization is an absolute dumpster fire right now. Yeah, that we can have a whole podcast episode about how bad things are being ran there, and. And then I'm 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 praying and hoping they they want they land Harden if Harden actually comes back like let it let it happen I want that to happen I'm, let me get the, the Thunder have all the, those that first round picked I would love that do they yeah they have the it's protected I think I can't remember what the protection is I think it's top four or top two or something like that but they got they got a they got a pick out of the Russell Westbrook trade that's so dumb. <laughs> Oh, but and I, that probably wraps us up for the week, right? Yeah. Yes. Think all right. Um, again, thank you to you guys that have been listening. I don't think we posted anywhere but our last podcast, but we still got like 10 listens, which is good. Um, keep listening if you want. If you don't want, you can stop. It's up to you. We don't really care. We're doing this for fun, man. Uh, all you guys that are listening, thank you so much. Keep it going. Marshall, you got anything? Nope. Get us out of here. Deuces.